be seated. If you have your Bible, I'd ask you to be turning to the book of Psalms. I'm so appreciative to those who work so hard to prepare everything um, to get ready for today and those who have volunteered to help us in between services and after services. And there'll be opportunities in the future, uh, obviously, as we're trying to go through and you say, well, what is the plan? Well, the plan right now is two services on Sunday mornings and we'll go from there. And we'll figure out the rest as we go because we know God is in control. Uh, If you have your Bible again, if you'll open to the book of Psalms, and you can go ahead and be finding uh, that particular book. And I want to ask you, do you ever struggle with the what-ifs of life? The what-ifs of life. What if I get cancer? What if I lose my job? What if my child gets in an accident? What if I don't have enough money? to pay my bills? What if I catch the coronavirus? What if my loved one dies? What if you could probably finish that last one with something in your own life or perhaps many things from your own life? Those what if questions usually revolve around fear. And fear is something that we all must face. And beloved, Truthfully, when you think about it, fear is a gracious gift from God. Christian counselor June Hunt noted that fear acts as a protective reaction placed in us by the Creator to activate our physical defense system uh, when we face real danger. Uh, Fear, it triggers the release of adrenaline in the body and it prepares us to action, either fight or flight. Proper fear is a very good thing. Fear is something God has given us as a gracious gift. But as she mentioned, fear can be real or imagined, rational or irrational, normal or abnormal. Fear is a natural emotion given by God. However, fearfulness is not. Fearfulness is not designed by God because fearfulness suggests living in a state of fear. God does not want His children living in a state of fear, living with fearfulness. In fact, if you have trouble with fear, you might want to jot down this reference and start memorizing this verse, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of what? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Neil Anderson noted that fear is a thief. It erodes our faith. It plunders our hope. It steals our freedom. It takes away the joy of the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And he said, phobias are like coils of a snake. Imagine a big old snake wrapping around you. And the more we give in to the fear in our life, the tighter those coils squeeze around us. I really appreciated David Jeremiah's insightful words. He said the really destructive thing about fear is that it uh, distorts our perceptions. The way we see truth, the way we see God, the way we see ourselves. Fear tricks us into believing that God is not who He says He is. But there's more. Fear keeps us from God's plan for our lives. It discourages us. It negates God's promises. It steals away the things that God wants to do for us. The bottom line is fear is debilitating. And you may have experienced that in your own life. Fear just kind of paralyzes you or in the life of someone you love. Fear is real, and proper fear is a good thing, but fearfulness is not. And I think one of the greatest challenges we have right now in our world, in this day, is fear. 
We have, over the last couple of months, had our lives literally turned upside down. For 11 Sundays, this building has sat empty. We did not gather to worship. Some are still unable to gather. I don't need to remind you how your life personally has been upended. Everybody here could testify concerning that. Just, just 30 minutes of the evening news is enough to discourage you and put you down in the doldrums and bring about maybe even fear in your life. Because, I mean, even to go into a city now, we don't know what we're facing. Um, it's one thing with the virus, but it's something else when there is all kinds of things going on uh, as far as violence. We long for a return to normal. We long for a return to normal, but in many ways, the normal that we knew is gone. And, and what lies ahead, no doubt, are some of these what-if questions. And these what-if questions, they can lead us down a destructive path of fearfulness. And I don't know where you are in this today, but I hope that you'll be encouraged. I agree with David Jeremiah when he said that fear distorts our perceptions. I, I think about it kind of like a fog. Fear kind of brings a fog into your life. Um, did you experience anything like this during this whole uh, pandemic? Were there any days where your thinking and your perception and, and just... Things were just kind of cloudy. I mean, because number one, some days you didn't know what day it was. You didn't know what was going to happen next. You didn't know what new rules were going to come down and what was going to be happening in your life. And I know in my own life there were certain days where it was just kind of foggy and cloudy. And that's what fear can do for us. Well, what I want to do today is help us to begin seeing clearly in the fog of fear. And that's what we're calling this series, What If Tackling our fears. We're going to face our fears and seek with God's help to overcome them. Now, we're going to focus over the next several weeks on one psalm. And I pray that this psalm will become a part of you. It will bless you and help you and change you. And let me encourage you to read this psalm every day. Read it every day. If you'd like, memorize it. I think about it. Meditate on it. Take verses that speak to you and write them out on a card and put them places where you can see them because it talks about being afraid. And the psalm I'm talking about, if you'll go ahead and find it, is Psalm 27. Psalm 27. The words that we'll read today, some of them are very familiar to you if you've been brought up in church. Many believe that, King, that, that David wrote this when he was fleeing from King Saul. Now, some think it's when he was fleeing from Absalom, but I'm, I'm inclined to agree with those who think it was King Saul. And you remember, David, as a young man, is anointed to be the next king. And things seem to be going very well for him, and he goes out and he kills Goliath and all these things, and he's, he's a blessing to the kingdom. But then Saul turns on him and begins to literally hunt him down. And many believe that these words are from that time in his life. In fact, think about what he's going through as we read together Psalm 27. We'll read the entire psalm today. Then we'll come back and we'll study just the first three verses. These opening words are probably verses and words that are familiar to you. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh... My enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. 
One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in the, His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of mine adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I love verse 13. I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then it ends on verse 14 by saying this. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. On the Lord. When you're standing in the fog of fear and you are beginning to feel those coils tighten around you, the first thing you need to do, beloved, is you need to look up. You need to look up. You may have noticed that David was not on Easy Street when he wrote these words. He was in trouble. It talks about enemies and being pursued and false witnesses, and on and on and on. But he doesn't begin by focusing on his problems. Did you notice that? He begins by focusing on his God. He reminds himself in these verses, verses 1 through 3 we're looking at today, David is talking to himself. Now just be honest about it. Do you ever talk to yourself? If you do, you're in good company. David talked to himself. Now, now someone noted it's alright to talk to yourself. And it's alright to talk to yourself and answer yourself, the time to start worrying is when you talk to yourself and you answer yourself and you then say, what did I say? Then, then you might want to get concerned. The truth of the matter is, we talk to ourselves all the time. Now, maybe not out loud, but we talk to ourselves all the time. You're constantly telling yourself things. You're constantly talking to yourself. And you better be careful what you say to yourself. You better tell yourself the truth. And in the middle of these hard days, David looks up and he tells himself the truth about his God. Yes, I'm in trouble. Yes, there are enemies all around. Yes, all these things are true. But the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold or fortress. He, in fact, he asks himself, notice this now. You ever ask yourself questions? Because David asked himself some questions here in verse number one, if you notice or not, he asked himself two questions. But notice how he asked them. Look back at verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Then he says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, the obvious answer is what? No one. But notice that David did not deny his fear. 
He talks about being fearful. He talks about being afraid. These were real things, real possibilities in his life. But he views his fear, his personal fear, in the light of his God. In the midst of his fear, he looks up. He says, the Lord is my light. You know, beloved, sometimes that fog or fear we find ourselves in, it turns to darkness. Darkness. And we need light. And as a child of God, we have light. Now, notice there, it doesn't say that God has light, that God has salvation, that God has strength. Did you notice it says he is those things? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaking says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Light. He is our light. He is our salvation. And by the way, God didn't just save us and leave us to ourselves. Salvation is just not for the end of our life. It's for all the days of our life. And God is here to help us. He is our deliverer. In fact, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He is our deliverer. And if you're oppressed by fear and and bondage to fear today, He wants to deliver you. And David looked up in the midst of all the problems, all the danger, I mean real danger, being hunted down to be killed. And he looks up and says, The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation, deliverer. The Lord is the strength of my life or my stronghold, my defense. The literal idea there when it talks about the strength of my life is being in a stronghold or a fortress, a place of refuge, a place of safety. It says it this way in Psalm 18 too, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Talk about some glorious truth. To rest in today. Even though the psalm here, Psalm 27, talks about trouble, as Paul Tripp noted, it doesn't begin with trouble, it begins with theology. And he makes it personal. He doesn't focus on the theology, he focuses upon the truth about God. And he makes it personal. Did you notice there he says, The Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And it's important for you to personalize the truth and apply it to your own life. To tell yourself the truth. To focus on the Father and tell yourself the truth. And beloved, I want you to lean in real quick and listen very carefully. You don't get anything else. Get this. We need to tell ourselves the truth even when we don't feel it. even when we can't see it. We need to say it even if everything around us and everything in us at the moment is the exact opposite of what we see here. We need to tell ourselves the truth. Say, yeah, everything might be bad. Everything might be horrible. My life is in shambles. But the truth of the matter is, God is here. God is present. God's in charge. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's my delivery. He's my stronghold. I can rest in Him. See, listen. God's character is not based on our circumstances. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
It doesn't matter what's going on in our world, our lives, our family, our bodies. It does not matter. God's character does not change based upon our circumstances. And when troubles come, beloved, listen, and they will come. I mean, they're already here, aren't they? (laughs) I don't have to really stretch for illustrations right now. I look out upon people wearing masks in a service. Trouble's here, but so is God. And in the midst of these days, we don't need to run from God. We need to run to God. Because He's our light and our life and our salvation. If you want to see clearly in the fog of fear, the first thing you do is we need to look up. By the way, because He's God, we could have said it this way, look around. Because He's here. He's always present. And He's always near. Look up. But there's a second thing you need to do in the fog of fear. And that is you need to look back. And that's what he does in verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Now notice David is remembering here. He's speaking in the past tense. They came to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Now one of the things that you can do and you ought to do when you're sitting in the fog of fear is spend some time looking back. And remember what God has done for you already in your life. Remember how God has already worked in your past. If you've lived any amount of time, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, no doubt you can look back in your life and you can see how God has sustained you and helped you and strengthened you and delivered you and blessed you and provided for you and answered prayers and walked with you and listened to you and heard you and helped you. And we just spend some time thinking about that. You've already come through some tough times. This is another bump in the road. And as you look back on your life, Christian, you realize that God has been faithful every step of the way. He's never failed you. He's always been there for you. He never left you. He never forsook you. And He never will. Just like the children of Israel, we need some of those stones of remembrance. We need to set up some stones in our life. And they, they set those up. Why? So they could look back and remember what God had done. And then their children say, what are all those stones about? Well, that's how God blessed us. That's how God brought us through. And we need those stones in our own life. Um, in fact, God knows that we need reminding. That's what we did today. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about, Right? A reminder. He knows we're forgetful. He knows we don't remember. So He set up a, a, a remembrance for us. As oft as you eat this, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. And it reminds us of what He's done. It reminds us what He's going to do. He's already died for us. He's died, shed His precious blood, been buried, rose again. He's ascended to heaven and says He's coming back for us. He knows we need reminders. And we need to be reminded in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of the things we're going through, that God has been faithful. I mean, think about what He ultimately did for us. We celebrated it, we remembered it today, the cross. I love that line in the Casting Crown song that says, if your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you know I always have and I always will. See, we take a moment and look away from where you are and all the problems and your world tumbling in. You look back to a hill called Calvary. 
And you see a cross on that hill. And you see the precious, perfect Lamb of God writhing in pain and dying, shedding His blood. I mean, he could have called legions of angels. He could have spoke the world out of existence. He could have sent everybody to hell in a moment, but He didn't. He stayed there because He loved us. And you look back and you think about Calvary. He's already given us the greatest. He's already shown us, I love you more than you could ever imagine. If you'll spend some time looking back and thinking about what God has already done for you, it'll help you in the midst of what you're going through at the moment. To know, listen, I know things are bad. I know the enemies are around. I know they're hunting me down. I know everything is going against me, but not really. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Spend time looking back. Look up. Look back. And now, thirdly, look ahead. Verse 3 points us to the future. And really, that's where a lot of the what-if questions lie. That's what it's all about. What if? What if this thing happens? I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but what if it does happen? And we all have what-ifs in our life. You know, we don't know about the future. Hasn't that been proven to us? And is there any doubt? We can't control the future. Now, that's always been true, but it's become really true to us lately. I highlighted this sentence in my study from a lady named Lydia Brownback. She said, suburbs or city, at home or at work, in love or alone, no matter where we live or what we do, life is beyond control. Now listen to what she says. So we can hide in fear or we can hide in the Lord, which was David's choice. We need somewhere to hide. And we need to hide in the Lord. That's why he says he's my strength of my life. He's my stronghold. He's my fortress. He's my sure place, my refuge. And so in the midst of the trials and troubles and problems and heartaches and everything of life, I don't have to hide in the corner in fear. I have to go to the closet and cover my head. I can run and hide in the Lord because He's my light, my salvation, and my stronghold. In verse 3, David looks to the future. And I want you to notice what he looks. It, it, it looks like here he's going thinking worst case scenario. You ever do that? I mean, you think about a problem and all of a sudden it, it grows from maybe a little problem to a bigger problem. And before you know it, it's the biggest thing you can imagine. It's gone from a, a molehill to a mountain in your life. And it's kind of like a worst case scenario. Notice how it builds in intensity. Look at verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me. So he has an army coming in and camping against him. My heart shall not fear. Though Now we're going not just an army camping to next. Though war may rise against me. So now there's a war going on. In this I will be confident. So even if things get really bad, there's an army, there's a war, there's a battle, they're coming after me. He says, I'll be confident. But the question is, what's he confident in? He says, in this I'll be confident. Well, I think it takes us back to verse 1. Because verse 1 is his confidence, right? He says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So it takes us back to the Lord in verse 1. And then we'll see more of the beauty of the Lord in the coming verses. So what he's saying is, listen, when I look at the future, even if things get bad, I have this confidence. Where's the confidence? In Jesus, in the Lord. Yahweh, it's in the Lord. 
And if we're going to tackle fear in our lives, if we're truly going to defeat it, we need to drag it out in the open. Call it what it is. Say what it is. Admit it. Now, I'm not saying do that here publicly, but you need to get along with the Lord and you need to drag that fear out and say, Lord, here it is. This is what I'm afraid of. And a lot of people, they have a lot of fear to drag out. Because we deal with fear and it's fear upon fear upon fear upon fear. And we just kind of try to deal with it. Well, let's really deal with it. Let's take it to the Lord. Drag it out. Bring it out in the light. And then put it in perspective. Look at your fear in light of your God. Look at your fear in light of your God. I love the Old Testament stories. I'm thankful that I grew up in church and Sunday school and got to hear the stories and learn all the great stories of the Bible. And how many of them we see, it looks like a hopeless situation. It looks like all is lost. And then God moves. I mean, the giant's there. He's heckling the army of Israel and they're cowering in fear and Saul's doing nothing. And, and, and then you have Jesse sending his, his boy to go take some cheese and check on his other sons. And he walks up and he hears this giant defying God. He says, who is this guy defying the army of the living God? And they say, well, you know, nobody will go against him. He says, I'll go. Let me get some stones. Let me get my sling. I'm going to go out and God uses him. I mean, there are stories where they didn't even lift a finger and God defeated great armies. You think he can't handle your problem? Drag out the fear and look at it in the light of your God. You see, we need to focus on God and not our fear. That's what David did when it came to that story of David and Goliath. He said, you come to me with a sword and spear. I, I come in the name of the Lord. I come in the name of the Lord. I'm here on God's business, at God's bidding, and God's strength. We need to focus not on our fear, but upon God. We need to fear Him. We need to get to know His love for us better. Do you want to see fear cast out of your life? Now, I think most people would say yes to that. I mean, unless they're deranged or have serious problems, if they were given the option to say, listen, you can have fear cast out, would you like that? They would say yes. Well, then you need to consider this verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, watch this, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, who is the one that, the only one that can give perfect love is God, isn't it? And so, in the midst of our troubles and problems and fears, we need to get to know God better. We need to get to understand His love for us better. And so, I ask you today, in the midst of all that's going on in your life and in our world, where are you looking today? Are you focused upon problems? Troubles and fears? Are you just wrestling with the what-ifs of life and wringing your hands in despair? Or are you looking at God? The One who is your light, your salvation, your stronghold. The One who loves you with a perfect, unconditional, unending love. A love that can cast fear out of your life. I say to you today, beloved, look up. Look up. 
look to Jesus. Would you bow with me in prayer today? We're going to ask you to deal with the Lord there in your seat. And I want to ask you while you're bowed, I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart today. Do you know Him, first of all? Do you know Jesus? I mean, if not, you ought to be afraid. But you don't have to be. He loves you. He died for you. He shed His blood for you. He arose for you. He's alive now and ready to welcome you. The Bible says we've all sinned, all messed up. But if you will turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ, He'll save you today. You can do that right where you are. And a very simple prayer can lift up your heart to the Lord. Just tell Him, listen, Lord, I know I've done wrong. I know I've sinned. I don't want my sin anymore. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Wash me, cleanse me. Make me a child of God. Help me to give my life to You and live my life for You. You say that to Him and mean it in your own words from your heart. And the Bible says He will receive you. He will save you. If you did that today, I want to encourage you to share it with somebody. I'll be up on the platform here after the service. There are others who would love to rejoice with you. But be sure to begin sharing that good news and we'll help you to grow. Now, Christian, are you looking to Him? I know there are problems. I know there are troubles. I know there are a lot of what-ifs. All of us have them. All of us are wondering about a lot of things. But listen, you can look to Him and focus on Him and know He's your light, your life, and your salvation. So I want to encourage you while you're there right now, maybe begin to talk to Him about some of those fears that you have and give them to Him and remind yourself He's greater than any fear, any trouble you have. I'll give you just a moment to pray and then we're going to stand together and sing and then be dismissed. But while you're there, why don't you talk to the Lord and give Him those fears, those concerns, and allow Him to help you today. Lord, we love You. We praise You. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ today. Minister to their hearts. Thank You that we don't have to live with fearfulness and bondage. Deliver people today. I pray for someone who might be wrestling with salvation right now. Help them to turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. And we ask that you'll help us to walk not in fear, but in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing song this morning, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And what an assurance that is. Hope that you'll take this psalm. We'll be looking at it the coming weeks, God willing, and really begin to make it a part of your life. And even this week, when fear wants to come knocking on your door, go grab Psalm 27.1 and then answer. Let's stand together and sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
Watch you. 